0: Hey everybody! It has been a minute since we have updated the podcast, but we are getting back on the horse here. And today, I have an excellent episode I'm going to share with you. I was recently a guest on Rescue Owners Live, and we recently did a four day challenge where uh, Kirk Mote uh, was interviewing a number of different people from all different industries on finance and business and family office and many wonderful things. And so we're going to go ahead and share my segment right here on this podcast, right after this, let's go ahead and get started. Okay. So uh, this was uh, a few days ago, but wanted to share it with you. And we're going to go ahead and put that recording on right now.
1: For you here today. Our first speaker is in the queue. And without further ado, I'd like to give an introduction for Michael Glover. Michael Glover is an experienced leader, and entrepreneur who owns and operates four privately held companies in the business, real estate, and tech industries. His goal is to help millions of people live their best life with balance and purpose. His passion for helping others can be traced back to living in the San Francisco Bay area as a young volunteer during his two and a half years there he helped others overcome life's many challenges in three different languages. Michael has experience as an aerospace quality auditor and has since applied that knowledge to business management. His passion for technology and system design drives him to help companies business owners and entrepreneurs automate and streamline their processes so that they can make time for what is most important to them. Michael has been published in newspapers and magazines around the country sharing his knowledge as a business owner, quality engineer, professional, and real estate investor. Michael's experience with leadership and business as a second-generation family office allows him to support professionals in every industry by identifying bottlenecks and business strategies available to the client. Michael empowers clients to focus on what they do best while benefiting from streamlining their processes and automating their systems. With Michael's strategic guidance, clients are better equipped to bring their ideas to fruition. Michael travels all over the country for business and philanthropic endeavors, but is proud to live in the Phoenix, Arizona area with his wife and four children. Do me a huge favor, ladies and gentlemen, blow up the chat and welcome my man, Michael Glover. Michael, brother, how's it going? Uh Uh-oh, are you muted? You're muted. You got me. I think I, think I was on mute as <laughs> you know, were. I know we muted. were clicking back and forth. That was awesome. <laughs> I love it. I love it, Michael. How are you doing, man? Good. How are you guys doing? Doing great. It's been like uh, I guess a month or so since I've seen you last. Yep. My yep. goodness. I'm going. I'll be back in Miami uh, at the end of this month. Okay. And so that's awesome, man. So like, I, I, man, I need to just live in Miami or just have a second house down there. That's such a beautiful <laughs> place, you know. Yeah. It's love nice. it. Love it. Michael, first of all, thank you so much for joining us here again. I mean, you were on Rescue oh, yeah. Owners Live um, several episodes back, but you were a crowd favorite. And uh, we, got oh, so m- yeah, you, we got so seriously. Yeah, we got so much feedback from you. They're like, Kirk, I think that was the best episode that you've ever done. <laughs> no kidding. So like, That's I awesome. just want to let you know that firsthand that that was the feedback that we were getting from our audience. So um, we, we had to bring you back for the challenge. Awesome. Well, I'm glad I could be of help. Well, Michael, if you don't mind, could you kind of give us a little background of who you are, what you do, why you do it and in, in, in regards to like the family office and whatnot? Yeah.
0: So, uh, you know, a family office pretty much is uh, the traditional family office, meaning is like normally like an investment firm where you oversee, you know, ultra high net worth individuals, uh, their investments and and things like that. Some family offices differ widely. They can invest primarily in real estate or have a real estate focus um but you know the ultra high net worth families are the actual family office you know they run multiple businesses uh, they have a lot of philanthropy going on and so uh, that's what my family does and that's what we we focus on we have a number of different businesses and philanthropic goals and that's kind of what the family office family foundation they kind of coincide together and because my family has been doing it for a while i'm actually second generation um we've been doing it for a while so we help other families kind of understand how to do, you know, wealth transitions from one generation to the next and what kind of habits and goals, you know, kids should have before they inherit lots of lots of money and r- lots of responsibilities.
1: Now, when people hear family office, I know a lot of times at least when I first heard it, my thought was, "Oh yeah, that's the deduction I get when I work from home." <laughs> <laughs> can you can you kind of break down what a family office actually is?
0: Yeah, so um it's a it's an actual entity so you can set it up as like an LLC uh and then that kind of manages all the other things, you know, you might have a a revocable trust, many revocable trusts within the family. Uh, our family, you know, we run a number of different businesses all my siblings and and sibling in laws, we all run different businesses, but we ultimately use the family office as kind of a, a meeting ground where we all come together and discuss, you know, issues that we see in in communities or um, or in business and how we can help each other, how we can help other people, other businesses, and uh, and we pull you know different talents from within the family to see exactly what kind of role we can do. You know, uh, real estate is one that I I focus on in business systems and. And things, so I go to a bunch of different companies, but also different companies that my family runs to help with with that as well. So a family office uh, is an entity where you know you manage the family business, you know all the family businesses, and that coincides with the family foundation. So they kind of run in tandem together.
1: So I mean, you're you're literally treating your life as a business, and right. every every aspect of it is a business, and so it's not like oh. I'm I'm paying out of my pocket for my my car. I'm actually I literally have everything wrapped underneath the umbrella. Is that kind of what I'm hearing, you say?
0: Yeah, you know, it's it's a goal to try that make try to make sure that you don't own anything. You know, that way, if people come after you and try and sue you personally, you know, they can try, but everything's in LLCs and trusts and foundations and all sorts of stuff. So uh, we run our family like a business, you know, our family has a CRM, a a customer relationship management tool, because when we do business with other people, we have to organize it by, you know, which business are they with, you know, if I'm using, you know, Glover Charities or Paramount Leadership, or these other businesses that I run, um, which organization is in charge of this relationship that we have with this person, right? And so we we monitor our communication with people, our relationship with people. It doesn't have to get so crazy to where every relationship is within you know the CRM or anything like that. Um, I don't document conversations I have with my best friends or game nights or something like that. <laughs> but uh, but we, we do document things of like, hey, this business opportunity might come up. So I'm gonna go ahead and put it in my pipeline so I don't forget about it. So the next time I meet with a friend of mine or the next time I go golfing, I know to bring it up.
1: That That's awesome. Because like, I think so often when people think of, you know, Oh, well I can't have debt or I can't, I, I, I have to own it or whatever the case may be. Yeah, I, I think that there's a, there's a huge mind shift in like, okay, the idea of a family office, because most people don't even know what that is. First of all. And secondly, Like who would be the perfect candidate, by the way, I mean, I think it's everybody, but who would be that perfect candidate to start considering, hey, putting everything in an LLC and everything in a revocable trust so that you can protect your assets and not worry about getting sued?
0: Well, you know, I think everybody should have at least an estate plan and that estate plan would include a trust. Uh, You know, having a will is not going to avoid probate. It's actually going to be a part of the probate because you can contest a will. You know, if if my father died without uh, an estate plan um, or a trust, you know, I can come in and say, well, he told me that he wanted to give me everything and leave my sisters out of it. Uh, And then that would go to probate because we're going to contest this in court. But if he had an estate where he had a trust, a trustee, beneficiaries, uh, things like that, it's all pretty much laid out and the attorneys would be able to go in and shift through that, that paperwork. So it really, it helps the family also because we've had family councils. Right. Where we come together like a kind of like a board of directors meeting for the family and we discuss, you know, who's getting what. Right. And we've we've always said that no one's getting anything from one generation to the next. We're responsible for our own family wealth uh, and family management just because we are so philanthropic that we give nearly everything to charity. And in that charity, you know, we pass down advisory rights so that, you know, those who have interest in charitable work can continue that legacy. And so, so yeah,
1: I like that. Okay. So if, if that, if you got one person who is, they own a house, they own a car and they're like, dude, oh right, I I mean, I make, I make, let's say, you know, a hundred thousand quarter million, uh, in salary a year. Um, I don't really have any assets. Do I really need to have a family office? I mean, how would, how would you respond to someone like that? you know, a family
0: office doesn't have to be someone who's ultra high net worth, you know, an ultra high net worth. I'm talking about 25 million, maybe 30 million or more than that. Um, but people who, who have organs, you know, you have your, your, your heart, your, you know, your, your lungs, all that kind of stuff. Uh, you want to have that kind of stuff in your estate plan because, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily have myself down as a donor, an organ donor on my license, but I do have things within my estate plan that says, you know, if I'm on, you know, a ventilator, or it doesn't look like I'm going to make it don't prolong my life longer than it needs to be, you know, and, and that's in my medical power of attorney of part of my estate plan. So as far as an estate plan, I think everybody needs it. I think everyone should run their family like a business, because that's how I think I think my wife might disagree with that. (laughs) But, uh, but I think most people should have some kind of organization some kind of management system within their family if they really want to succeed in business, philanthropy, and and the like. So really anybody, anybody should. And it's actually cheaper to have the estate plans set up, the foundation, all that kind of stuff, the less that you have, you know, because you're not having to go through ownership and all that kind of stuff when you're through the, going through the estate plan. So it's actually cheaper for you uh, the earlier you start.
1: So, let me ask you this, when you treat your family like a business, um ha, what are some of the like the standard processes and procedures and practices? Is that like a is there a daily um, you know, meeting, is there a weekly meeting, is there, you yeah. know, a monthly? Like <laughs> t- talk to me kind of like, you know, some of those, you know, things that yeah. you, KPIs even, I don't know.
0: Yeah, so we we do sit down once a week as a family. We have a family night where we um, talk about issues within the family, what's going on at school with the kids, what's going on at work, what's going on at home, uh, what's going on in the community with our friends. You know, Do we need to, to interact with certain people? Do we need to you know, give a, a helping hand to people? That's kind of our, our family night. And then once a quarter, we have a family council, which is a little bit different because we involve a lot more with that, with charitable work and uh, our actual family foundation. Uh, We vote on certain things, Uh, but it's not like we sit down around a conference table. A lot of times it's sitting down with a bowl of ice cream and just hanging out, chilling. You know, we might watch a movie after and or go to a trampoline park or go to a basketball court and shoot some hoops after. You know, it's just kind of our kids are really young. My oldest is 10, so we keep it casual. But uh, the family councils that I've been a part of now that I'm an adult um, as a second generation, those meetings are around a conference table. You know those family councils are, and those are only about maybe once a year, maybe twice a year that we get together. But we're always in communication with each other. We're always talking about things that we need to help with, things that we're doing, uh, and trying to to, you know, help wherever we can, uh, w- whether it's within our own family or if it's in with you know another family office that we're we're servicing or helping with.
1: So you talked about first of all I, like weekly meetings with your family. That's huge. Uh, I think yeah. that um a and lot even of- daily daily
0: around the dinner table we don't i don't mean to cut you off but uh, no, no, daily no. around the dinner table we don't have the tv on uh we're sitting around having a meal and we're just going through the day you know and that's and it's kind of like um it's not like an a, an official family meeting officially uh, an official council or anything like that but it's just you know talking through what's going on and you know Erica and my wife and I are listening for those little cues where you know, where do we need to maybe address something more in an, more an official family council or something that we just needed to address right there at the dinner table?
1: So this is this is very interesting because it's, it's kind of coinciding with um, some of the material that Pat Quinn was talking about yesterday in that, you know, it is so important, specifically with what happened with COVID over the past 18 years, where mm. people are secluding themselves and even yeah. secluding themselves from their own family how important yeah. it is to reach out, say, I love you, say, how you doing, what's going on, not only to the people that are easy to talk to, but to the people that might, you know, need a little bit more attention, but no one needs more attention than those that are living under your roof and having that daily yeah. dinner. Oh my gosh. I love that. That is, that's amazing.
0: Yeah. And, and, you know, even in business, you know, you never know who in your business is struggling. I mean, just with COVID, you know, since you brought it up, uh, a lot of, a lot of businesses have seen in schools, businesses, everything have seen a rise in suicides. Mm. And so what are we doing to look for those cues within our own employees? Uh, Maybe our our friends are with anyone within our circle, because depression, you know, is very well hidden. You know, we can, we can easily miss those cues. I've missed them a few times. And I've had friends take their, take their lives. Um, But you always ask yourself, well, what else could I, what else could I have done for them? and what am i going to do for my circle of friends that i have now to make sure i don't lose anybody else. and so it's important to have those kind of conversations and just be real with your team. i love the fact that organizations meet daily. you know whether you're remote or uh in in the office, meeting daily with with your team and talking about what's going on throughout the day and all that kind of stuff, maybe having that, you know, dinner table conversation with your with your staff is is not underestimated. Don't underestimate that.
1: What gets measured gets accomplished and like what you put mm-hmm. your attention on is and on a daily basis is so important. I mean, I know for myself, I know you probably do this too. I got my 10 X planner right here and I write <laughs> down my, my goals. I, the night before I'll write down, okay, here's my schedule. Everything I know I got scheduled out for the next day. Yeah, And then I'll uh, write my goals out in the morning, write my goals out again at night, all the targets that I want to accomplish. Also, by the way, successes. So er, as I have, yeah. you know, things to celebrate, I write those down and I share them because they're so important to share your successes. Um, but I'm hearing you say you got, you know, daily dinners uh, or daily meetings with your business, um, weekly um, meetings with your family and keep it casual. Like you said, it doesn't have to be super formal, but you know, that oh, yeah. annual or biannual meeting. That's the council. Like that's a little bit more formal. And uh, I got, this is, this is really good stuff. Um, can you go into a little bit more detail I mean, I know you mentioned, um, having an estate plan. What do you have like a list of things or like, or like, okay, I'm, I'm the novice just getting started in this arena of a family office. Um, could you tell me the, like the, the list, the check boxes of things that I really need to have in order for my family office, like a will, an irrevocable trust, mm-hmm. or, or maybe a revocable trust, I'm not irrevocable. Well, <laughs> oh, no, you need both. You need okay. both. Yeah. Uh, I'm not an estate
0: planning attorney. First off, I'm going to say that uh, my family has a lot of attorneys in them. So basically what I'm just sh- uh, sharing is what, I, what I've experienced, but I don't have any kind of legal training. But I can tell you, you know, having uh, an estate plan, uh, you have a revocable trust, which is pretty much anything that while you're alive, things can move in and out of. Uh, you have the irrevocable trust that once it's given to it, it's, it's done. It's usually done with um, the next generation You know, so we have our trust and then we have an irrevocable trust that we leave to our what we're going to leave to our kids. And that's pretty much, you know, staying empty until we're ready to to move things or maybe uh, um, an event like death um, triggers that uh, where that that everything moves to an irrevocable trust. Um, But, you know, that's why we have attorneys to make sure all that's done legally. But in in with that estate plan, you're going to have, you know, business entities, whether they're C corps, LLCs. Um, anything like that. And then in that, in those trusts, you know, you're going to have different types of ownership within your trust, how they own the LLCs. Um, You're going to have a medical power of attorney. You're going to have a, 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 a will and Testament. Uh, You're going to have a family foundation, which normally could be, whether it's a 501 C three full on, you know, public or private nonprofit, or it can be a donor advice fund or, or a fiscal sponsorship with another charity um, there's a lot of things that can go into that estate plan, and what's really cool about it is you start you start small, right? Because you, you may not own a lot of assets, um, but you start small and it grows over time. And then as you get older and older and more success comes your way, you add to that estate plan and you keep building and building and building. The next thing you know, you have a full fledged, you know, family office where you're having to have those meetings, you're having to have those councils, and you know the philanthropy and all that kind of stuff to help either with. You know, tax savings, or whether it's just also that that good philanthropic rush for your
1: family. So, I mean, you just mentioned so many. Th- I couldn't even write it down <laughs> fast enough. Revocable <laughs> trust, re- irrevocable trust, business entities, yeah. corp LLCs, medical, you know, power of attorney, will and testament, family. Um mm-hmm. I mean, like legit so many things there. Um, yeah, is there Le- an order or like okay, you, you like an, an estate plan is like the like the overarching number one? And then is this like the first thing I need to do is what?
0: Right. So the first thing to do is get a trust. Okay. And that's that's something that your attorney will will establish for you. Um, you get a trust and then you you can start a business. And that business is, you know, you have a management company, you have the family office, and then you have what's called the family bank, right? And so one manages and the other one finances everything, right? And they work in tandem with each other. And then you have the family foundation. So you kind of have three overlying things. You have the family office, Family Bank and then Family Foundation, and those three. And we've actually given presentations, maybe I'll give a presentation here uh one of these times on your uh on your live streams, but we have like a full presentation where we have, you know, Rick is my father-in-law, he's he's an attorney, my sister-in-law is the uh president of our Family Foundation. Um and so we actually do like this three three-person presentation on each entity.
1: And what Ooh. they mean
0: and whatnot, because it can get really detailed, especially a family foundation. I mean, there's so many things that can be in part of that. You could have an operating private foundation, a non-operating private foundation. You can have, I mean, it's all technical, right? But no, there's some yeah. rules that go along with that. And what kind of anonymity do you want, right? Because wow. people think you have a private foundation, you know, you're gonna shield yourself, but private foundations are the most public information like they give out everything about the donors. And so you have a public foundation and that gives you a little bit more anonymity. If you have a donor advice fund with that public foundation, there's even more because you shield yourself from those public records.
1: Okay. So I I definitely, if you're willing to do that presentation, we're going to schedule time to do that maybe on an okay. like a future uh, rescue owners live. Cause I know that our audience would absolutely like geek out on that because it is so <laughs> I mean, I'm geeking out on it. Uh, this yeah. is awesome. Family office, family, um, bank, bank. family foundation. Um, mm-hmm. this, this information is incredible and it's information that most people again, haven't even heard of, or haven't even considered. And I mean, yeah. I guarantee you if they just, kn- you don't know what you don't know until you know it. <laughs> well, <laughs> and, right.
0: And it's amazing how many high net worth individuals don't even know about that either. I mean, I know people worth hundreds of millions. That don't have an estate plan. You know, we had one one uh, person wanting to donate a house to us, and I think the uh, the appraised value of the house was like uh, ten million. And this family was worth over a billion dollars. You know, they they're very successful, um, but they they did not have the house in any kind of trust or LLC. It was in their own name, which is insane, especially when someone of that kind of worth, that kind of caliber. You know, they have all of their other entities, all their other houses were in, you know, LLCs and all that kind of stuff. But this house in particular wasn't, and so it was kind of, it was like kind of like a "oops, we missed this one" kind of thing, you know. It's kind but, of a big uh, oops, ten million dollars. Oops, yeah, <laughs> oops.
1: I don't know. My bad. But, it's all perspective. Yeah. I mean, if you're doing, you know, billions of dollars, yeah, <laughs> ten million, yeah, five million, <laughs> whatever, yeah. Like, whatever. Yeah, like whatever. Yeah, it's a big deal to me still, but
0: uh, but yeah. So I mean. You, you just kind of build it as you go you know and and you don't eat the elephant all at once you know Rome wasn't built in a day right And so you don't need to go out to an attorney right now and get all these things right away. You just say, hey, this is what I got going on. what do I need right now? you know a, a trust and then a, a a properly structured LLC maybe you know a, mem- a member let's see a manager managed LLC, which is the best to have. Not a member-managed LLC um, but you know maybe just that to get started and you just kind of build from there we started our estate plan before we had kids you know and every five years we go in and we update it you know and so sometimes we'll go in and we've got two more kids you know within that five years we need to add them to the estate plan make sure they're in there but we have different provisions in there also that in case we die within that five years you know both me and erica if we die within those five years, we have provisions in there to automatically include any living, you know, descendants, things like that.
1: That's huge. Now, last time we spoke, one of the things that you recommended is a book and a book was called die with zero. Um, Oh yeah. I just finished reading it like a week or two ago. It was great. Absolutely. Incredible. Uh, One thing that really struck me was the idea of gifting your children's inheritance at you know more strategic times in life yes where, could you talk a little bit about that i think this this is a, a huge yeah, topic that this, people don't even think about yeah and this
0: is our bread and butter right um with us consulting with with other family offices is a big concern with people with you know high net worth is how am i going to pass on this this wealth to my my kids without destroying them completely Uh, the worst thing you can do to a kid who's struggling with maybe a drug addict, you know, a drug addiction, uh, is to give them lots and lots of money all at once. Mm. Right. Um, we've had, we've had stories where, you know, grandma dies and she, you know, gives $18 million to her 18 year old son. Right. And in two days he's wrapped it around a pole and he's dead. Right. Wow. Because, because that influx of money all at once, he wasn't able to handle that money. You know, um, He just couldn't handle it. And so what do we, the hard part is making sure that your children or your beneficiaries, it doesn't have to be your kids, because there's a lot of people that don't have kids either. You know, how do you train people to handle that kind of wealth? Uh, Something our family foundation does, you know, Legacy Global, you know, people leave money to Legacy Global because they don't have any kids, but they want their legacy to go on. So we have to train these other charities how to handle lots of money, also because when they pass away, we're going to start giving lots of money to these end-user charities, and charities are just like people; they need to be able to handle lots of money, you know. And there are certain habits, certain things that they need to learn before they can just take in twenty million dollars or fifty million dollars. And so, um, I kind of got off on a tangent there. I apologize. No, but, that's perfect. Um, but you, but what we do is we train people. Right. So we've had we've had this work before where and I do this with my own kids now because it worked out so well. And this is something I I encourage everyone to do. The reason why we run our family like a business is because we're training the next generation. How do you handle money? How do you handle these responsibilities? How do you run an organization? How do you coach individuals? You know, the psychology of of dealing with other people. And if you treat if you teach them while they're young, they grow into that. And by, by the time they're 18 or into adulthood, they're already leagues ahead of just some Joe Schmoe graduating high school that has never handled any kind of responsibility. Right. And so we've done this where, you know, daughter, daughter of a family office, you know, she was uh, 12 years old. She had to present to the family council, one of these official family councils, right, of how much money they're going to donate to charity. Right. So the family council gets together, says, okay, each grandkid is going to be able to donate $10,000 to a charity. And they have to pick the charity. So daughter gets up. She has, you know, a trifold, one of those presentation things, you know, those poster boards. And it says my charity at the top. Right. And she goes through who the charity is, you know, what their mission is. Why is it important to her and why they should receive the ten thousand dollars this year? So the family council will vote. Aunts and uncles, grandma, grandpa, they all vote. Ten thousand dollars is going to go to this charity because Susie Q over here gave a good presentation, right? So now she's learning presentation skills. She's running a, a, kind of like a board meeting, right? Um, But she doesn't know that she has to go work with that charity for a year. And she has to see how that $10,000 is used. And that's great because now you're holding that end user charity accountable to that 10,000 because Susie Q, the donor, is now working with you, right? And she has to come back and report to the family on how that money was used, what impact did she see that $10,000 and should that charity get $10,000 again next year? Right. And so instead of, you know, giving 20,000 or 50,000 to this charity, they're giving 10,000 every year and also training their kids. Right. So by the time uh, this, this 14 uh, year old girl was an adult, she was already heading up a multi million dollar organization, but you would never know her wealth because she drives, you know, a regular average car lives in a modest home for what she's worth. She's worth hundreds of millions of dollars. Right. And so you'd never know because she's so grounded. She's not wearing, you know, the GQ, you know, brand style clothes, which there's nothing wrong with that. But a lot of, a lot of concern for ultra wealthy people is anonymity. Once people know you have money, you're a target. Mm. Right. So, so that's just kind of how we've been training families and our own family to handle responsibilities and wealth.
1: Now, you you mentioned she she started out at 14 is is 14 the age that you start you know with a child to you know donate and start working for a year for free with that um nonprofit or is it is it a little younger how young is too young like how how i'm sure you got a whole process could you tell me about <laughs> you know like from birth on up
0: Yeah. Yeah. So when you're, when you train families like this, it's not about the age, it's about the maturity level. Okay. Okay. And so just because someone's 18 doesn't mean they're a mature adult. Right. Mm. Um, And so you give them a little responsibility, see how they handle it. And then a part of that family count, me and my wife have our own, like our own council together, right At, at night when we get together or when we go on dates, we talk about the kids, you know, who can handle what, Um, And so it's not about the age. It's about the maturity level. My oldest one right now is already a junior advisor to our to our charity. And so uh, he's 10. Wow. But my my eight year old, he's probably going to wait till he's 50, you know, because he's uh, (laughs) he's more like me. Right. He's going to have to wait a while. (laughs) But uh, but yeah, it just kind of depends on that maturity level. There's a movie uh, called The Ultimate Gift great I think I mean you, yeah it is awesome but it's about a billionaire who dies right and his second generation family are just an absolute absolutely awful right and the story is about his grandson right the billionaire's grandson who is this pompous little punk right he's grown up with money all of his friends are around him because he has money but then he gets disinherited immediately he gets he gets nothing he gets kicked out of the house because You know, he's had provisions in his estate plan that says, if you help this grandson with anything, you're out of the out of the estate. So even his aunts, uncles, his own mother won't let him stay with him when he's disinherited with everything. And then he has to do a series of activities, you know, because the grandfather wants to give him a series of gifts. Right. The gift of hard work, the gift of friendship. And it goes through like 14 different gifts throughout the entire movie that he's getting. Right, and then I'm not going to ruin the end for you. You have to go see it. But it is an amazing movie about teaching family members certain things so that they're mature enough to inherit money.
1: You know, and you so make want to go watch that movie again, I, dude.
0: I love that. We've, we we require it in in some of our consultations. Hey, you have to see this movie, and then we'll talk. Okay, well, wow. and then we talk. You know, and so that's and it's more of a it has a Christian uh, uh, theme to it. You know, but people don't really mind that because the lesson you learn in that as far as, you know, building wealth and, and transferring wealth is absolutely important. And so.
1: And that's that's a great point that you bring up. Oh, as far as like the Christian uh, background there. Um, can you talk a little bit about faith and how it plays a part in your personal and your business life? Oh yeah. Well,
0: we're, we're extremely active in our, in our local church. Um, my, my volunteer service in San Francisco was part of church service uh, and learning different languages and things like that. And um, as far as faith goes, it plays a big part. We, we start all of our family councils with prayer. You know, we end them with prayer. Um, we're very, you know, religious that way uh, we do daily scripture study and in conversations and, and how we can be more, more Christian, more Christ-like to other people, regardless of, you know, a, religious affiliations or whether they believe in someone or not. Um, But it plays a huge part in what we do. Some family members decide not to go the religious route, and that's fine, but they're still part of the family councils. They're still, you know, included in the family discussions with how we're handling the community because that's how we were all raised growing up was, you know, we're we're not volunteering because our church says to. We're doing it because that's the family culture. The family culture is that we volunteer, that we give more than we take you know, and so, um, but, but that religious affiliation has definitely played a big part in that. And it's definitely helped, uh, build that foundation for us.
1: You just mentioned something that is so powerful that regardless of belief of your family members, because I I don't know about you, but I I live in a, I have a pretty big family and there's (laughs) there's a lot of big personalities and there's a lot of opinions, Mm -hmm. but, um, yep we don't disown each other. Just like right. you are saying, you don't disown each other. If someone thinks or believes differently than you, they're still on the family council. That is so right. powerful. Like I, I think that more people need to think with that kind of attitude towards family specifically, but also towards relationships in general, because I mean, so often when someone like I'm, I'm looking at what's going on in the world today and mm-hmm. we have mm-hmm. the, democrats the republicans the yeah. vaxxers the unvaxxers. and like it's amazing how they're like literally We're all speaking. getting grouped into one thing right Or either well, one or the other <laughs> it's it's the new segregation i mean it's, yeah. it's to you know as bluntly as you can call it so like what happened to the time where we could have a heated discussion about like be passionate about what you believe in and then walk away best friends like what happened to that
0: yeah, you know, it's, it's people playing a game, you know, and and some, those people are probably on the same team anyways, you know, they're all on one team, and they're putting pitting everybody on, else against each other is my own personal belief. But working with a foundation, you know, I work with a lot of people who have different, very different political views than I do, uh, very different religious views than I do. But we all work together, because we're all trying to accomplish the same goal. Hmm. Right? Um, I think when, when you look at whether it's political or religious, if you look at, you know, just, you know, loving your neighbor, uh, trying to get them a leg up if they're down, right. Um, you're just trying to, to help other people. And if that's the ultimate goal is how do you help people? Then you're just, people are arguing over details. How do you do it? Right. Do we, do we do more, you know, just giving money out for free or do we make people work for their money? Um, you know that's, but the end goal is usually the same: is how do we help other people? How do we get people, um, you know, the assistance that they need? There's a book called uh, "Created to Flourish," that was is great. Peter Greer is the author. Um, I met with him out in Galveston once at a philanthropic conference, and it's about how charities do worse to, to people. Right, and he's actually very philanthropic. He's amazing, but he talks about how you know a charity, you know, people are wanting to do good, right? And that's great, but how you go about it is important. So if you go into a village in in South America, Africa, whatever, right, and you want to give them free eggs, okay, and you provide free eggs for a year, this charity, okay, your charity is providing free eggs to this to this village for a year. Well, what that does is the people in that village who sell eggs go out of business mm. because why would they buy the eggs from this vendor when they can get the eggs for free? Right. Then the charity leaves for a, year, for a year. Yay. You know, we have this great impact. We did awesome. We help people. We feel good. But now the village is worse off than when you got there because now there's no eggs. Right. And that's kind of a very simple view of it. He actually goes, the whole book is going into like micro loans and all that stuff. So the, the thing to do would be go to the people who sell eggs in that village. How can you make the eggs cheaper for people? Right. So that the, the egg sellers can still provide for them and their families and their communities. Um, and then how can that that business also help the other the other industries within that village? Right. And then now you're building the village up all at once. Rather than just giving away something for nothing, and I think you know working with people from all sides of the political spectrum, they they agree with that kind of you know uh, methodology. Is you know you don't want to do worse for doing charity work. You want to do things and make things better. And so sometimes those details of how you do things matter, but most of the time it's people wanting the same end result with things. It's just the details of how you do it, you know, just differs.
1: So two things that you said, having, um, common ground, so Mm -hmm. powerful. Um, I I know that, you know, the, the, our, my shared faith with my wife is common ground. So when we're at odds for any sort of reason, Mm -hmm. that is a common ground that we can always go back to and, you know, build off of that. Um, same thing with the business. What is your vision, your mission, your core values? If you don't know those things, then you don't have any common ground to build your team around. And right. whenever there is conflict or whenever there is, you know, a down month or whatever the case may be, you you can't look towards that vision if you don't have it. So make sure right. to prioritize the vision, the mission, the core values. But one mm-hmm. thing you just mentioned about the story regarding the eggs. Uh, I've heard you tell a story before, and it's a powerful story. And it hit me for the first time today uh, in a different way. And I was like, oh, my gosh, that's kind of like welfare in the United States right now. <laughs> <laughs> like seriously, I'm thinking. Okay, we have a government that's giving out money, and then, and what's what's the effect? Well, we have a st- staffing pandemic. No one's willing to work now because they don't have to. So, like, yeah, I mean, it's it's absolutely incredible how the dominoes affect each other like that.
0: Well, right, it's, it's the same concept. When you go to the zoo, don't feed the animals because the animals become dependent right they they lose their edge right um it's the same it's the same with people is we we just need to there needs to be some kind of give and take when you give someone something for nothing you do more damage to them and that's not political it's not religious it's 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 fact really it's when you give someone something for nothing it's free it's just like when i i'll, I'll even break it down even simpler you know, my kids are required to start a business or work in a business, one of our businesses, when they're eight years old, right? So they can learn hard labor, right? They do yard work, they do all sorts of stuff that require a lot of sweat and working with their hands, okay? And they get paid for that, you know. Um, and it's not like they're working heavy machinery; they're just mowing the lawns, right? They're picking up garbage. We're going, you know, doing community feeding, feeding us, uh, feeding my starving children, right? They're learning hard work. Um, And what's interesting about that is the toys I've given them for Christmas and birthdays, you know, they get it for nothing because they're just them. Right. They treat those toys awful. They just trash them. Right. They're usually broken within a few days, which is fine. Right. But when they get the money, you know, when they're eight years old, we tell them, "Okay, here's the money. Now let's go spend it right away. Right, Mm because they need that instant gratification when they get older we'll start saving and we'll start doing stuff um but but let's go spend it right away well they go out and they buy this new toy that they buy with their own money okay so you've had to mow three yards for this toy suddenly they start thinking about that toy differently now it's theirs now it's 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 in its own little space in their in their room or on their toy shelf or something like that because that's their toy that they bought with their own money and they treat it differently. And so if you want to run that own little, your own little science experiment on that, that's interesting to watch because we've, we bought very similar toys and the ones that they buy themselves
1: are treated differently. And like, to your point like first of all arizona is where you're from and mowing out in arizona is not like (laughs) mowing in (laughs) yeah you've got to be done with your yard work by eight o'clock in the
0: morning in the summer because it's already
1: 105
0: 105
1: (laughs) degrees so like that toy means so much more because that's what you're thinking about you're like man i was doing that in 105 degrees. yeah
0: you got to get up sun gets up at five o'clock here in the summer wow so you're you're, you're mowing the lawn, you're trimming the weeds, all that kind of stuff, doing the bushes at five thirty, you know, and then as soon as that sun hits you, it's starting to eat at you. It's burning. And, and there's a, there's like a 20 or 30 degree difference between the sun and the shadow. Oh, right. And so it's, it's, it gets hot in the summer, especially August when the monsoon comes in and it's humid. Now the yard work really sucks because you were just sweating like crazy and you're chugging a gallon of water just to do three hours of the, of the sun, you know? Um, And so that definitely does, does change things uh, for them because that work is not easy. It's not like we're just having them clean their room, you know, things that they should do because they're just part of the, of the family, but uh, it's extra work that I don't have to do now because my sons are, are doing it. Um, But that's how I was raised. You know, my, my parents grew up on a farm. And they they are some of the hardest workers I've ever seen. And, you know, my great grandfather, when he would come into my dad, you know, it would be 430 in the morning and, and my grandpa would be yelling at him that he was sleeping in, you know, half the day already. And so it's just I think hard work is a big thing that we need need to teach, you know, up and coming people is because some of pe- these people now coming up, majority of them that I've seen just don't know how to work. And they don't know how to do things they don't like for a little bit because sometimes things just need to get done and someone needs to do it. So it might as well be you or me or who's it, who's it going to be, right? Sometimes you just have to do the grunt work because we all can't, can't do whatever we like all the time, right? We have to do the nitty gritty stuff.
1: So hard work needs to be taught. Spend what you can right away when you're younger. So I that's you're a young. perfect segue into the topic of finances. I know a lot of times you know the talking about money people get mm. real squirrely about it they're like hey yeah. so what's, what what do you make and they're like well it's none of your dang business you know what i mean it's like <laughs> yeah but like that's a lot of times the response you might get and it's almost like offensive like well why are you asking yeah. me that but like you know as as a son asking the dad it's like hey so what is it you know at your you're 55 years old. How much are you making? How much were you making at 25? Like I am now or whatever. Like, could yeah. you explain? I'm not 25 now, but like, you know, <laughs> yeah. my point is like, you know, how do we normalize the conversation of finances? How are you doing it? How would mm-hmm. you suggest others to do it as well?
0: Well, so, you know, you don't always have to talk about specifically how much you make, because if, if I would recommend having multiple streams of income, so sometimes you don't know how much you make until the end of the year. But if you're like in a regularly sal- salary job, um you know it goes back to that maturity level can this kid keep a keep a secret cuz i don't want everybody knowing how much i make but i'm okay with him knowing how much i make um but that there's a time and place for that you know when they're mature enough to be able to keep that secret and understand but i do think they should know the kind of bills you have to pay mm. right so they know how much our mortgage payment is right and they're 8 years old cost years of old, life right the cost of life why why do we not leave the water running Right. Is there's a lot of implications with leaving the water running. We live in Arizona. Water is super precious to us. So that's one thing. Right. But it's also is we have a water bill and you're going to see how much we pay in a water bill. And so how many lawns would you have to mow to pay this water bill? Mm. Right. And so now it's starting to click with them a little bit is how much work would I have to do to pay the mortgage, the, the water bill, the electric bill? all these different bills that we have have a cost and they have to understand my eight-year-old all the time, you know, he cleans his room and he's like, dad, did you just have us to clean our room?
1: You know?
0: (laughs) And I'm like, dude, if I didn't have you, I wouldn't have to clean this room at all ever. (laughs) Right. Ooh, ooh, that's a good um, response. (laughs) 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 But just cleaning up after yourselves, but also understanding that life, you have to work, you know, and you have to pay for things. Nothing is free. Even the free things you get, somebody's paying for with either their time or their money, um, and they, and that's a lesson well taught to kids as young as possible who can handle that kind of that kind of lesson. And so, you know, going back to that, having them mow the lawn and trim the bushes and pull the weeds, how many times are they going to have to do that to pay those those bills? Now they suddenly respect, you know, going out of the room and turning off the light, you know, or or not not damaging the furniture. Because then we have to buy a new one. How many lawns am I going to have to replace this couch with? You know, Um, so those are valuable lessons, I think, that you can teach to, to kids. And then, you know, working in business, you know, if you have your own business, have your kids be a part of that so they can understand, you know, what you do, why you do it. What kind of struggles do you go through? And, you know, what kind of bills does your business have to pay? You know, business insurance, who even I never even thought about
1: that, even when I was in high school. Business insurance. Oh my gosh. (laughs) And it only gets more and more expensive the bigger you get. So get excited. Yeah. The more Um, liability. Now, another topic I do want to hit on is the topic of health. Um, You know, one thing we tell our listeners a lot is that to the extent you take your body seriously, you will take your Mm -hmm. business seriously. Um, Can you talk a little bit about? Obviously, if you're mowing in 105 degrees, I mean, you're yeah, probably well. you're probably doing pretty good. But uh, could you talk to me a little bit about some, you know, physical fitness, uh, whether it's uh, your health uh, regarding yeah. your sleep, your diet, your exercise? Um, what do you place an importance on that yourself personally, and your and how do you communicate that to your um your family and and employees as well? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it is important. Uh, we have
0: uh, in my family. There's diabetes that runs through the family, you know. So that's something we're always taking a look at. My wife yells at me every time I have a soda because that's just going to push me even further to the edge. Um, I wouldn't say I'm as strict with health, but I do think it's important. We do live a certain health code within our family. Um, our our religion also has us living a certain health code if we want to do certain things within the within the church. Um, but but I do think people abuse. You know their bodies with the kind of food they take, even within the church. Um, but but I do think health is important because if you're unhealthy, you can't do certain things. And if you don't have your health, what do you have? So we have a gym membership. You know we we take the kids to the gym. Uh, the gyms have been a little weird since COVID. So the you know the play gym, the jungle gyms and all that kind of stuff have been taped off. But they just sit in a room and watch TV, which is kind of counterproductive. So we make sure they have outside time. They they go outside. Um, we eat. Uh, pretty well, you know, we have a little bit of meat every now and then, um, but mostly fruits, vegetables, uh, eating right. But then occasionally we go out and just have a big greasy burger. You know, nice. we're, not, we're not calorie counting or anything like that. <laughs> counting uh, macros. Yeah. My sister's <laughs> family, though, they count their calories, but they look like Captain America and Black Widow. You know, I mean, they're just <laughs> like the dream team. But, I literally um... just saw
1: Black Widow like a week or two ago. So, yeah, I, I get the right reference. On. Right. So I mean,
0: <laughs> but I do think it's it's extremely important uh, to have good health because when you have a good amount of sleep and you're feeling uh good about yourself, you're feeling confident, you know, that changes how you think, it changes how, what you do, it changes your decisions that you make. Um do you do you make the extra phone calls, right, in your business because you're more alert, you're more awake. You're not having a sugar crash, you're not having a caffeine crash, kind of thing, right? So I think health definitely plays in success. Uh in the, in the physical world, just because, you know, your physical health has, you know, spiritual, um, spiritual side effects, mental side effects, all that kind of stuff. So I think it's absolutely important.
1: Wow. It's amazing. Um, we, we had Magda, um, Khalifa, yeah. I think you know her, she came on to yeah. talk a little bit about mindset. She's awesome. She is. I mean, she explained like the freedom triangle of, mm. um, it, how That's important cool. it is to look at your life as holistically and yeah. kind of what you were saying there is look i mean like it you know being physically fit helps my spiritual helps my financial helps mm-hmm. like literally every part of aspect of my life um mm-hmm. just just by you know taking care of one thing so um that's 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 really cool to see how things really coincide with each other yeah um, it's, it's
0: just like what we said last time with that work life harmony instead of a work-life balance you have that harmony and you've got to have all all things humming together really well you know it's just like that you know an engine all the parts got to be working. You can't you can't have one spark plug out and expect
1: that engine to be running right. I like I can't tell you. I'm I'm almost at the end of the page right up here. I'm taking notes. Oh, like, good. I'm like mad. Awesome. This is this is <laughs> this is literally as much for me as it is for the audience. Um. So, work life harmony, not work life balance. I love I right. love that. Um. Can we talk a little bit about mindset? Um. Uh, what what kind of mindset? Um, are you instilling in your children and your, in, in your spouse, as you lead a family mm-hmm. and, um, your employees and really any clients too, what, what's the mindset that you're trying to attract and, you know, give off um, whenever you're doing business or life? Well, oh, that's a, that's a big question. Um, you know, mindset is important.
0: And so in the mornings, you know, writing your goals down, knowing, you know, you don't go out and drive not knowing where you're going to go first. So having your goals written down, knowing your schedule, um, with my kids, you know, depending on their age, they need to know that they're first off loved constantly, no matter what they do, no matter what they destroy in my house, they're always, we're always on the same team. Uh, so they always know they have to have a mindset that I'm always in their corner, no matter what. Um, that's the most important right now but as they grow older and get into the teenage years, you know, uh, self-confidence, telling them that they're wonderful, that they're great, they're going to do awesome. We all have setbacks. Telling my wife every day she's beautiful, uh, you know, that I love her, uh, that I'm lucky to have her and that I don't take her for granted. And and women go through, just in my, my experiences, you know, women and, and, and men too, they go through major self-confidence issues, especially teenage girls. Um, my nieces, you know, always telling them that they're beautiful, that they're awesome because, you know, the world is always, you know, setting this image up of what people should be and it's not always the best, right? It's this, this fake kind of mask thing that they have to have on, right? Girls put on 10 pounds of makeup, guys put in 60 pounds of, of grease in their hair, whatever, (laughs) uh, you know, or or
1: in their beard or in their beard, right? (laughs) I
0: I do put beard oil in there, but Um, but just having that mindset that you're going to do great and that you're, that you're capable of doing great things. And so you go out and you do great things and then those little successes build you up. As far as employees go, let them know they're doing a great job. Let them know when they're not doing a great job and show them how to fix it. Right. But always be honest, be straight with people. I've always wanted to just, you know, I don't act like the rest of my family all the time where, you know, we're always eloquently spoken. Right. But uh, I just like to be real with people and having that mindset of what you see is what you're going to get
1: from me. I love that authenticity. What you see is what you get because so often, like you said, I mean, I can't tell you how many people I'm looking at on Instagram where it's literally perfection. I'm not sure what kind of filter they're using, but I could use some of that. But, um, (laughs) But honestly, like, You know, I, I think, I can't remember which previous speaker spoke about this, but they're like, Hey, what, what you see is what you get. And like, we were talking about relationships and how, you know, you attract the type of person who you are and, and how you buy is, you know, type of buyer that you attract as well. Mm -hmm. And so it is so powerful to hear you say those words,
0: um, personal
1: growth, um, I know that we've met each other at personal growth conferences, um, but can you tell me the importance in your life, whether it's personal or business to personal growth and um, you know, how you go about that?
0: You know, I definitely think you should always, especially in today's world where information is free, you know, you could, you know, YouTube university, Um, you could really get more than a college degree with free information. It's just, how do you filter that information? Because some of it's good, some of it's awful. Um, but always be learning, always just never stop learning. Take breaks when you need to, because we go through those phases. You know, I want to just consume this content so much, but then sometimes I'm just exhausted. And so I just need a break. And those breaks are important to have. Uh cuz sometimes you just need a reset. You know, go hiking, get some outside time, uh take a week off from the audiobooks and the podcasts, but I li- I do I have subscriptions to audiobooks. I listen to them in the car. I um I listen to podcasts. Uh constantly reading. I'm reading three books right now. I'm reading Magda's book. Nice. Uh, I'm reading the the tipping point. I can't remember who that's by. I'm also reading entree Leadership by Dave Ramsey. Um and I know uh, Grant Cardone doesn't really like Dave Ramsey, but I like to get the full gamut of of information. Right. And so um, I think always learning, always be learning something. And I always tell my kids this. We homeschool our kids and it's not always out of a book. Sometimes it's going out and buying you know, these Lego sets and just saying, hey, build whatever you want. And they build from their imagination. Uh, that's still learning to me. Right. Because they they learn what works, what doesn't work. Um, all that kind of stuff. So it's uh, it's something that you have to constantly be doing. Uh, I think sometimes, you know, Netflix and chill. It's every it's good every now and then, but it can't be uh, regular. It can't be regular. Um, you have to constantly be learning all the time, because if you're not learning always, you're going to fall behind.
1: So. Constantly learning, like be, have, living a life of learning, and like always a student is so powerful. Uh, I love that you're reading Matt's book, Tipping Points. Um, and by the way, Dave Ramsey, I mean he's great. You know, there's he he serves a niche purpose, and he does a really great job at it. Um, I read books uh, of people with completely opposite viewpoints, and um, like uh, Michelle Obama's uh, book, and then r- right after that, I wrote uh red blackout by Candace Owens like oh, through, yeah. too completely too completely so, different way different <laughs> but i'm 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 filling my mind with stuff that's going on it is relevant in the world and it's very very important that everyone should do that because you know it's education it's very powerful and yeah. very important the last question unless there's anything else you want to talk about before we wrap up I'm good. um the last question that i would like to ask you here tonight is Is there a charge or challenge that you would like to give to our business owner audience tonight, um, whether it's related to their, you know, business or their personal life of something that they need to remove or improve? And what would that be?
0: Uh, I would definitely think it is uh, establishing smart goals, right? Don't just write down your goals. Write down smart goals, you know, specific, uh, measurable, uh, what is it? achievable, relevant, timely goals and then go into your calendar and set action items to achieve those goals. Um, You know, you can you can write down your goals all you want, but until you have action and you might have a 10 year goal, break it down into five years, break it down into a year, then break it down into months, weeks, days, hours. Uh, What kind of actions do you need to be taking to achieve that goal? Because if you fall off the horse, you need to know exactly how many phone calls you need to be making. How many appointments do you need? To convert, you know, one lead to a to a recurring business opportunity, uh, but then having that system in place to keep that. So having those smart goals and then having specific action items and then ten xing those those actions.
1: Love that smart goals, action items, and immediately and put it into your calendar. That is so yep. powerful, Ma- Michael. I can't thank you enough for giving a full hour of your time here tonight you're a rock star dude i kid you i love it people are hey listen if you have not shared if you have not hit the share button yet hit the share button because i guarantee you someone in your network needs to hear what just what was just said and what will be said in just a few minutes so michael thank you for joining us in the sixth hour you have a good one michael glover everyone
0: All right. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that episode. Uh, If you have any questions about the rescue owners challenge and the proceeds that's going to pass the pulse, I went ahead and put in the link in the description for you guys to buy the recordings of the entire four day event. If you guys have any questions, check that out. I will go ahead and end it now and I'll see you guys next time. Thanks.